Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So we're continuing with chapter six of Refactoring the Ruby Edition. And in this episode, we're going to discuss dynamic method definition and replace dynamic receptor with dynamic method definition. Very dynamic. <laughs> and remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along on your own Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. So what did you think of the reading this week? I found it challenging. Um, I, I struggled to sink into it. Um, there was a lot of metaprogramming in this episode, and I had to do a lot of research just to jog my memory with certain things. Uh, but overall, it was it was all right. What about you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a I had a similar reaction. I think the first tool that we go into, I thought, okay, cool, that's pretty straightforward. I can I can wrap my head around that. Uh, and then the next one, I was like, oh. Uh, so yeah, I had a I had the same feeling of realizing that, okay, this is going to be the reading on metaprogramming, which I'm not very comfortable with. Um, and so it was, it was a lot harder to look at the solutions and go, okay, I see why this yes. is better. Um, it was kind of just trusting that they know what they're talking about. And given that they're more experienced than me, just kind of, you know, just, just kind of using having faith that what they are saying uh, makes sense, even if it intuitively to me didn't click. With these methods, particularly the second one that we're going to discuss, it was more of a case of when am I ever going to decide, yes, now I'm going to do mm, this. Yeah, And maybe yeah. it's to do with the nature of stuff I've been working on. Whereas with some of the th other things we've discussed, either, you know, we'd already been doing them or I could see a clear time when I would want to do them. But with these, it just seemed very... I don't know, removes from what I'm doing day to day mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So to start with the first section, dynamic method definition. And so this one is, is pretty straightforward. It basically says um, sometimes we have methods that would be a lot shorter and, and more concise if they were defined dynamically. So we have a pretty simple example that says def failure, self.state equals symbol failure end. And then we have another method, def error, self.state equals symbol error end. And so instead of having these two methods, one failure, one error, that basically look the same inside, uh, we can collapse that into one method and instead call def each symbol failure, comma, symbol error, do method name, self.state equals method name end. And so here, uh, it's a little bit quicker, it's more concise, and it's still fairly readable. You know, initially when I think of, when I hear of like, let's get rid of duplication and, and put it into one, I go, uh oh, I hope it's going to be readable. And so when I look at this, it, you know, it's, it's fairly straightforward. It's, I know I have methods called failure and error, and they're going to return back failure or error. Uh, and it's pretty, you know, it, it's pretty uh, obvious. And so here... The primary goal for using the dynamic method definition is to have more concise uh, method definitions that are readable and more maintainable. Okay, and then we have an example which goes into more detail as to how you would use def each to define similar methods. So we start with three methods similar to the ones that we had at the beginning. So we've got def failure again with self.state equals symbol failure, def error with the body self.state equals symbol error. And we also have def success 
with the body self.state equals symbol success. So once again, the code works fine, but do we really need to take up 11 lines? Oh, and, and this is a really minor thing, but I, I remember being like, but it's nine lines, forgetting that, of course, we, we mm. include space, <laughs> spaces between the methods. Yeah. Um, and so one of the ways that we can remove this duplication is to have an array with three items, the symbol failure, the symbol error, and the symbol success, and then call dot each on that, do method, and then we call the method define method, taking method as an argument, do self.state equals method, end, end. Was that clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and so now we've got a more concise definition, but it's not that readable. I mean, there's a lot of the word method going around, so you have to read it pretty slowly to, to stay on track. And so in the book, they talk about to get around this issue, they define a method called def underscore each. And the reasoning for this is that it's it's easier to understand and to notice this uh, as you're reading a source file. And I had a note here which said, is it? Yes. That's, <laughs> yes, exactly. I totally agree. Because I looked at that and I went, I don't think this is this is easier. So yeah. So to give you a sense of what, what we've got here, which is supposedly meant to be easier than what was above, which I actually read pretty yeah. straightforwardly. Same. The, the improvement is, so inside the class class, so we're monkey patching the class class, we have, we, we define a method called def underscore each, and that takes um, two arguments, one with a splat operator called method names, so we can pass in as many method names as we want. And then the second argument is a block. And in the body of the method, we say method names dot each do method name, define method, method name, do. And then we call instance exec method name, and then we pass the block. So what that does is it, executes it defines an instance method for the method name that you've passed in and then if you've passed in any block um, that's executed there as well yes and then we have a bit where we go into we delve into the instance exec method so quick google instance exec it executes the given block within the context of the receiver so you pass in so the, you've got a receiver object that's passed in and then whatever is in that block um it's the receiver that's essentially executing that mm -hmm. that's what i believe and there's a bit here that says ruby 1.9 includes instance exec by default and of course now we're at the point where the current stable ruby version is 2.4 so we're completely fine on this front yeah <laughs> but um in the book he uh writes out uh his own version of instance exec for people using Ruby 1.8 and older. And if anyone listening to this is using Ruby 1.8, I'd be very interested to hear from you. <laughs> just in general. Yeah. Not specifically about this uh, this reading, just, you know, what's, what's it like in 1.8 <laughs> land? <laughs> and so now inside class, we've got this def each method. So we can go back to the the code that I read out before where we had the array with the three symbols in. And this time we can write def each, passing in symbol failure, symbol error, symbol success, do method name, self.state equals method name. So it is more succinct, but we did have to define this def each method to get there. Yeah, and so the other thing that kind of bothered me is 
even if that you know the the new way of using the def each method is a little bit cleaner um we still have to basically open up the class class and create a new method there which felt extreme for the goal of making it slightly more concise um so this is one of the situations where i thought yes technically we can do this like technically this is an option but i i wasn't sold on the fact that it's um on the idea that it's a, a better or easier way of doing things yeah i agree with you and so then we've also got a different way of dynamically defining methods and this is by defining instant methods with a class annotation. So class annotation was a method that we discussed, I think, a few episodes back. And we can use it here to, again, solve the same issue of making similar methods read more succinctly on the page. So we've got our three methods again, def error, def failure, def success, with the self.state equals symbol error, symbol failure, symbol success. And this time we change that to so we've got the post class and inside that we've got a class method so def self.states which takes the argument uh, args with the split operator and it says args.each do arg define method arg do self.state equals arg end mm -hmm. and then we write states so this is calling the class method we just defined symbol failure symbol error symbol success so those three symbols are passed in as arguments to the states method that we mm -hmm. just defined above. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of this, Soron? I like this a lot better. And I like it also because unlike the previous example where we created def each as like a like a, a general way to create new methods, this is a very specific a, a solution, a very specific solution to the problem. So here we're saying in our post class, we know that we are going to have three states. Well, we know we're going to have states. We know for sure we're going to have three. We might have more. And those states are error, failure, success. And so this idea of creating a self.states, that to me just tells me more about how this class operates and what I should expect from it. And I can look at that and go, okay, this post has states and I might not know what those states are, but I know they exist. Um, and then just reading the the states themselves is pretty straightforward. I think the downside is, um, actually, no, yeah, that's it. I like it. I like, I like it. I'm happy with it. And the <laughs> fact that we have the, the states call at the bottom and we have failure, error, success, like that line just clarifies everything. It says like, oh yeah, I have three states, failure, error, success. So, so far, this was, this is my favorite one. Me too. Yeah. So next we have defining methods by extending a dynamically defined module, which is very interesting. And this <laughs> is probably like one of the ones I understood the least. So I may need to drop on this one. So here in this example, we have a hash and we are decorating this hash. And so we're doing that by uh, using methods to extract specific key value pairs from that hash. So we have class post data, and then we have definitionalized taking in the post data argument. And then we're setting our instance variable post data to the argument post data. And then we have def params. And here we have at post data accessing the params key. 
And then we have our final method, which is def session, and we have at post data accessing our session key. So here we can see a similar situation where we have the params and the session, and we might want to uh, make that dynamic and, and collapse that into a single thing. So here we're going to go straight to defining methods dynamically from the keys of the hash. And so we are going to look at our initialize method and where we have definitionalize passing in the argument post data, we have in parentheses class shovel self colon self colon end dot class eval do. And then we have post data dot each pair do key comma value. And then define method key dot to sim do value and end end end. So here, uh, this method to me looks kind of like gibberish, but um, is uh, also really hard to read. And it's actually described in the book as saying that it suffers from readability pain. I don't remember if we've actually heard that phrase before, but I really liked it. I said, yes, this is painful for me to read for sure. Why does it say readability pain, by the way? Where oh, did yeah. it say it? Oh, yeah. It says 157. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I highlighted it. I said, oh, that's exactly how I feel. Oh, yeah. I remember that the time reading it. Mm -hmm. So what we want is to take those key value pairs and make those keys into methods and make the corresponding value into the thing that is returned when we call that method. So in order to accomplish this, um, we do something that I thought was really interesting, which mm -hmm. is that we are going to use anonymous modules and we are going to use it um, in a very interesting way. So we're doing this in our class hash, mm -hmm. and then we're going to write def to module hash equals self, and then we're going to create a new module by calling module.new do, and then we have hash dot each pair do key comma value, and then we have define method key do value, end, 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 end. <laughs> So now that we have this two module defined, in order to actually use it in our post data class, we're going to go back to class post data, and we're going to go back to our def initialize method where we pass in post data as an argument, and we're going to call self.extend post data dot two module. So in doing so, we're able to use that two module uh, method we created and apply it to the post data argument that we have passed in. I thought it was pretty neat. Yes, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the whole like anonymous modules thing is pretty new to me. So that was that was a good uh, educational opportunity. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then looking into the post date, I mean, that's a much cleaner way than we had it previously where we had like class self self and class eval. So that was much cleaner and, and a lot nicer. Yes, and it required less Googling on my part to work out which <laughs> bit was saying. Yes, which is always a good thing. <laughs> Okay, so now we move on to the excitingly named replace dynamic receptor with dynamic method definition. So this is where you've got methods that you want to handle dynamically, but you don't want to have to run into the issue where you have uh, to debug method missing. So therefore it means that you've got to use dynamic method definition only to define the necessary methods. And they start with um, the motivation, which says that, and I think this is the first one in a while where we haven't had an example, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So when you've got classes that use method missing and you need to debug them, it can be quite painful. And I think um, you can get surprise no method errors. 
and uh, they speak about getting the system stack uh, error when you get stack level too deep and often it's just hard to find out where the um, error has arisen from but but often you end up using method missing when you've got an object that you're worried uh, might need to handle unexpected method calls uh, but the authors assure us that you can use dynamic method definition and get the same behavior without having to rely on method missing and so the mechanics of this are dynamically define the necessary methods test remove method missing test so at this point in the reading I'm still a bit like I feel like they said in in many different ways that we're going to dynamically define methods and not use method missing without telling us any more about how we're going to do it do you, mm -hmm. do you get what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. yep and it took me a while because when I first read remove method missing my first thought was oh I didn't I didn't think method missing was something that you had the power to remove it's just yeah there. but yeah. then when I googled some more I realized that Often, it's method missing is a tool that, that developers do put into their code. Because um, uh, when you send a message to an object, the object executes the first method it finds on its method lookup path with the same name as the message. And if it fails to find any such method, it raises a no method error exception unless you have provided the object with a method called method missing. So it is a way for you to mm. more nicely handle no method error. And that's, mm -hmm. a, that's from a blog post that I'll put the link in the show notes. So, on to an example. Okay, so we're going to look at an example that's all around delegation. And one of the simplest ways to handle delegation is to use method missing, because that would pass any methods that aren't defined on the caller onto the subject that's being decorated. So we've got an example decorator here. So we've got class decorator, and we have an initialized method, which takes subject as the argument, and then at subject equals subject and then we define method missing and that takes three arguments three or more sim uh, the splat operator against args and then a block and then the body of that method says at subject dot send sim args block so basically you pass in all the, mm -hmm. all the potential things that you could pass into this method that's not defined on the decorator so this works for delegating but when there are mistakes, then you can get into all sorts of trouble. So for example, if you call a method that does not exist on the subject, you will get a no method error. But the method call is being called on the decorator because you've got the method missing, but it's the subject raising the error because it's the one that doesn't have that method defined, but you're delegating to it. So therefore you can imagine getting into situations where it's really hard to track down where the problem's coming from. And then again, they talk about when you get the stack level too deep error and you just have no idea where to begin. Mm -hmm. And so this leads to the motivation of wanting to say, how can we do this without using method missing? And so in a further example, we define an instance method on the decorator for each public method of the subject. So this time we've got an initialized method, in, again in class decorator, which takes um, the argument subject. And we say subject.public methods, and we pass in the argument false, each do meth. And then we've got class shoveling in self, semicolon self, semicolon end, dot class eval do, define method, meth, do, passing in all the arguments, and then subject.send meth, and then passing in all the arguments. So what that is doing is it's 
calling, it's looking for all of the public methods that exist on the subject and then dynamically defining each of those on the decorator. So by using this method, um, you know that when you get any incorrect method calls, i.e. a method that does not exist on the subject, you're going to get the no method error coming from the decorator because um, now we know that the interface of the decorator is the same as the subject that it's delegating to. Mm-hmm. And because there's no method missing definition, um, it means that we're most likely going to avoid the stack level too deep problem, which typically tends to happen when I think you've got different method missing definitions. Mm-hmm. And so then we have another example about how we can use user defined data to define methods. So sometimes you're using information from a class definition to define methods instead of relying on method missing. And so we have some code that relies on method missing to determine whether any of the attributes are nil. So we've got a person class, and then we have attribute accessor, uh, symbol name, comma, symbol age. And then we have a method missing, which takes sim, splat operator, args, and then a block. And then the body of that method says empty question mark, and it's got the argument sim.2s.sub, and then a regular expression, which basically says things beginning with empty underscore, um, and then subbing that with uh, empty, a blank string, dot chomp, question mark. And then if we look at the definition for the empty question mark method, which takes an argument sim, it says self.send, and then send has the argument sim, dot nil. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a, a very elaborate way of using method missing to check if an attribute is nil, because if it's not set, then method missing will be evoked when you try to call it. That will call the empty method and it will it will fish out the attribute name that you're trying to check by the substitution. And then it will call nil on that. It'll ask the question of whether that attribute is nil or not. And so it says that, yeah, we've got code that works, but it's got the same debugging problems that we have from before. And uh, so that involves issues with where no method errors arise and stack level too deep. So if we use a dynamic method definition and also introduce class annotation, then we can avoid this. And so the proposed uh, improvement is to uh, create an empty attribute method. So we've got the person class again, and then we define a class method called atters, so attributes, with empty predicate. And that takes in args with a splat operator. And then we've got attribute accessor, all of the args that have been passed in to the method. And we say args.each to attribute, define method. And then we've got a string, which says empty underscore, and then we interpolate in attribute. So if the particular attribute in question is name, then it will define a method called empty underscore name question mark. And so uh, we say define method empty underscore attribute uh, do. And then the body of the block says self.send, taking in attribute as an argument, dot nil, end, end, end. And at the end, we call atters with empty predicate, and we pass name, and we pass an age. So therefore, we're going to then dynamically define two methods called uh, empty name, question mark, and empty age, question mark. And so that's a more succinct way of checking whether those attributes are set or not. 
So in these last few examples, uh, we talked a lot about method missing and specifically about trying to avoid using it, trying to get rid of that tool. So we want to know, is there a time when you feel like method missing actually makes more sense and that is the right solution for your problem? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheers.